Good evening. I greet you this evening in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I want to welcome you to this special uh, service, this meeting of the Midwest Presbytery for the installation of Reverend Ed Blackwood for the pastor of Springs Reformed Church. Uh, this is a special occasion for us tonight. And it is our desire that the Lord Jesus Christ would be exalted as he now gives this good gift to his church. Now, this is a unique service in that we have a special meeting of the Midwest Presbytery, Midwest Presbytery in order to have this installation service. And then we have a worship service within it as well. So if you would, please bow with me in prayer as I constitute the court. Let's pray together. Our gracious God in heaven, we thank you for the purpose that gathers us here together tonight. We thank you that in your good providence, you have led to this day. You have led to this evening in which you give this good gift to your church. We thank you for Reverend Ed Blackwood and for the gifts and graces that you have given to him. We thank you for the Springs Reformed Church and for the ways in which they have sought you and waited upon you to provide them with their next pastor. We thank you that you have brought us to tonight where we see that new relationship established and formed, and we pray for your blessing upon this meeting and upon this service of worship tonight. It is our desire that in all of these proceedings that we might turn our attention and fix our attention upon you, our God, that we might worship you tonight in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, we do now constitute ourselves tonight as a court of your house in the name and by the authority of Jesus Christ, who alone is king and head of the church. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, as I already mentioned, we have a meeting, a special meeting of the Midwest Presbytery now with a service of worship for this installation and so I'm going to invite you right now to locate a psalm, uh, the psalms inside your programs and begin turning there to Psalm 67C. I'm going to give a call to worship here in a moment, but you're going to see some special Presbyterian uh, polity exercise tonight. And so I'm going to entertain a motion tonight that all of the RPCNA elders present be made consultative members of the court. Is there a second? All in favor, please say aye. Any opposed, say no. And it carries. Now we get to proceed to our worship service. And our call to worship tonight is going to come from Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your program open to Psalm 67, please stand to hear this call to worship. We're going to hear more from this passage tonight in the sermon let us hear, by faith, God addressing us in his living and active word here found in Ephesians chapter 4. This is the word of God. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Amen. Let's give praise to God, singing together now, Psalm 67, Selection C.
Be seated. I have a lot to read, so I'm glad you have comfy seats. Um, besides reading the steps for what preceded this, I'm supposed to set the tempo for all the men that have speeches for us tonight. So pay attention. This is how fast you need to talk when you give your part. December 8, 2015, Ed and Nancy arrived back in PA from serving in Australia and began work at RPTS. In 26, November 6, 2022, Ed preached at Laramie RP Church after his son Allison, Allen's ordination. Keith Mand attended and subsequently invited Ed to preach at SRC. February 19, Ed preached for the evening service at SRC. Ed preached the same sermon. It was very well received. Keith and Jill Mand attended Covenant Fellowship some weeks later, where Keith quizzed Ed on his openness to take a call. Keith took Ed's carefully worded response as, yes. Ed came back to SRC to preach on May 28 and on June 4. May 28, Ed met with the SRC session who shared ideas about a senior pastor at SRC and again asked Ed if he would be inclined to consider a call. Ed's answer... I can't imagine leaving RPTS. I love the work that I do there, but I have always maintained that I would consider a call if I were given one. Ed agreed to interview as, to be interviewed as a possible candidate for a call. Through most of the process, Callie Moore was busy in the background greasing the skids to ensure that the process of bringing Ed to SRC did not reach any snags and moved along as efficiently as possible. You might call his efforts matchmaking. And rumor has it that Kelly was concerned that if something fell through, he would be strapped with the SRC session for some indefinite amount of additional time. June 4, SRC session conducted a phone poll of the congregation and received a very significantly positive response to calling Ed. The session assessed the merits of calling Ed based on a document which we called Five Key Characteristics of a Teaching Elder for SRC. Ed measured up quite well. The SRC Pastor Selection Committee also discussed calling Ed to SRC. Both groups a brought a positive recommendation to the congregation that we call Ed. June 7, the session gave Ed a heads up to be expecting a call. June 2, following evening worship, the session held a congregational meeting for the purpose of electing a pastor. The ballots were distributed with the following question. Should Springs Reformed Church call Ed Blackwood as the teaching elder at SRC and provide him with the compensation package as distributed to the congregation? The result of the election were overwhelmingly positive. July 28, following approval of the call of Midwest Presbytery and, and a Presbytery of the Alleghenies, Ed officially received the call. August 4, Ed told Barry York by phone of his intention to resign from his position at RPTS and accept the call from SRC. Ed met with the SRC session by video call and announced his intention to accept the call. August 29, Springs uh, SRC session approved a transition plan for Ed to move to Springs, stay at the Shepherd's Loft, graciously provided by Kelly and Judy Moore, continue working for RPTS remotely during the transition through the end of November, and began transitioning to living in Springs, preparing to take up the duties of his call December 1. September 28, Ed and Nancy's household possessions arrived. October 3, Ed and Nancy arrived. October 31, Ed and Nancy closed on their house just down the street here at 2410 Patrician Way in Colorado Springs. 
six-tenths of a mile from our new church building. December 3, Ed and Nancy were received as communicant members at SRC and publicly welcomed. Ed preached his final sermon as the pastor-elect of SRC, which brings us to this evening, and you know the rest of the story. Brings us to the final reading of the edict. The Midwest Presbytery has received a call made by the Springs Reformed Church, Colorado Springs, Colorado, upon Edwin Allen Henry Blackwood to be their pastor and has sustained it as a regular gospel call. He has signified his intention to accept the call. Notice is hereby given that the 8th day of December in the year 2023 has been fixed as the time for his installation with certification that the presbytery will proceed in the same unless some valid objections be offered to the presbytery, which is to meet at New Spring Church, 3435 Maysland Road, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80909, on the 8th day of December in the year 2023 at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. The meeting for the installation will be held at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at the New Spring Church located at this address. Signed, Clerk of Midwest Presbytery, Andrew Barnes, Moderator of Midwest Presbytery, Cal Borg. By order of the Presbytery this 26th day of October in the year 2023. Now to the point in our evening in which we get to watch the Springs Reformed Church uh, reaffirm their adherence to the call and uh, Ed Blackwood as well. We have a lot of guests and so I don't want anybody reading into any ideas about who's standing and who's not standing. And so I want to ask the members of the Springs Reformed Church first before you stand to just raise your hands. Okay, and now I'm going to ask the members of the Springs Reformed Church, if you affirm the call that you have made to Ed Blackwood, will you please stand to affirm that call? And now, Reverend Blackwood, I'm going to ask that you would stand to affirm your acceptance of this call. What a glorious sight. Let's pray that this uh, gift that God is giving to his church tonight may be upheld by our prayers and that we see this kind of unity maintained within his church. You may be seated. I'm going to invite forward uh, Reverend Alan Blackwood and Reverend Ed Blackwood now for the propounding of the queries. that I was asked these, these same things. All right, well, Dad, <laughs> I know you've answered these before, but um, I know you're familiar with these. Please respond with, I do, if you, if you do agree. First, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and life? I do. Do you believe that the Lord, sorry, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the only Redeemer of men, and do you confess him publicly as your Savior and Lord? I do. Do you believe that it is the duty of Christians to profess publicly the content of faith as it applies to the particular needs of each age and situation, and that such public profession, otherwise called covenanting, should be made formally by the churches and other institutions, as well as informally by each believer according to his ability. I do. 
Do you believe in and accept the system of doctrine and the manner of worship set forth in the Westminster Confession of Faith, the larger and shorter catechisms, and the testimony of the Reformed Presbyterian Church as being agreeable to and founded upon the Scriptures? I do. Do you believe it to be the teaching of Scripture that church and state are distinct and separate institutions, that both are under the mediatorial rule of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that the permanent form of church government is Presbyterian? I do. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord of men and nations, and that in loyalty and obedience to him, it is our duty to follow the noble example of the faithful confessors and martyrs of Jesus in their witness for divine truth and in their sacrifices and labors to establish the kingdom of God on earth? I do. So far as you can know in your own heart, it is, is it the call of Christ, the glory of God, and the welfare of the church, and not any selfish object that moves you to undertake this sacred office? Yes, it is that you may faithfully perform all the duties of the office to which you have been called, do you engage to seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Do you promise in his strength to live a holy and exemplary life, to study and promote the purity, peace, unity, and progress of the church, to bring your congregation the fruits of earnest study in the word, to maintain a testimony for the kingdom of God, to endeavor to minister to others and win them to Christ, to watch for souls as one who must give an account. I do. Do you promise subjection in the Lord to the courts of this church and engage to follow no divisive courses from the doctrine and order which the church has solemnly recognized and adopted? And do you promise to submit to all the brotherly counsel which your brethren may tender you in the Lord? I do. And lastly, do you make these promises in the presence of God in humble reliance upon his grace as you desire to give your account with joy at the last great day? I do. This time, I want to invite forward Dr. Barry York. Dr. Barry York is the president of RPTS and a longtime friend of Reverend Blackwood to open the word for us tonight. Well, it's a true honor to be here with you this evening in this capacity, although I have to be honest and say that a few months ago I did not want this honor. But I am uh, delighted that my fellow graduate from RPTS uh, back in 1991, uh, my good friend, uh, this was his desire uh, to come and pastor uh, here. And I could just see it growing as time went on. Uh, Miriam and I met with uh, Ed and Nancy at a lunch after uh, your call went forward. And when we were driving home, I said, he's gone, he's gone. I knew what was going to happen. Well, I am uh, thankful 
that we know that the Lord who's head of the church puts each person in the body just as he desires for his church. And that's what I really want us to reflect on with one another tonight as we highlight that by looking at this particular passage from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. We heard it in part in the call to reading, but I want to read down to verse 16 as well. Hear the living word of God. The Apostle Paul, in addressing the church at Ephesus about the importance of the body of Christ, says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head and to Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing on his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your church. We're thankful that it was instituted by your Son. And God, we are, as we reflect tonight, thankful for gifts that you give. And as we think upon this, Father, we pray that your Spirit, who sanctifies all things by the word and prayer, would sanctify this evening, set it apart to this particular purpose of seeing this man installed as the pastor of this congregation leading it into the type of ministry of which we have just read. Father, fulfill your word, we pray. Jesus, we ask. Amen. There's a particular reason this passage came to my mind as I reflected on coming here this evening and preaching to you. It has to do with the unique partnership that the Springs RPC and RPTS struck in this venture because in order for us to undergo the great loss of uh, Ed, who was doing so much for us, uh, the Springs Church gave us a very large gift uh, to help us during the season of transition so that Ed could stay on with us while we trained other people coming behind him uh, to do the work. Uh, really a picture of what this passage is all about. So I just once again just want to say to this congregation, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for uh, partnering with us in that regard. I think we also sent you a gift, um, so <laughs> there's that. However, I think we would all very quickly acknowledge that really this gift doesn't come from RPTS, that it comes from Jesus himself, and that's what I want us to reflect on tonight, to the Springs congregation, 
to the Midwest Presbytery, I want to call you to rejoice over the gift that the victor has given you. And the reasons for the rejoicing in this passage are clear. We should rejoice because this is a, a secured gift. We should rejoice because this is a sacred gift. And we should rejoice because this is a special gift. And that's how we're going to rejoice together tonight. It's a secured gift. A secured gift. There's that old adage, to the victor belong the spoils. It was struck up in 1832 by Senator William Macy, who after a losing election said of the opposing party, they see nothing wrong in the rule that to the victor goes the spoils of the enemy. We have the spoils system in our political government here in the U.S. And it's really a military idea that when armies march and go forward and they defeat their enemies, they get to take what's left behind. It becomes their possession as they have victory in the battle. And that's exactly what's being taught in this passage because our, our warrior king, the Lord Jesus Christ, has won a great victory. And with that great victory, he has given great gifts, a great spoil. As it says in verse 8, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and gave gifts to men. That's a quote, of course, from Psalm 68. What a wonderful psalm, Psalm 68 is. I know they're all wonderful. But the picture in Psalm 68 is so encouraging. It starts off depicting God as this mighty warrior who has released his people from Egypt and he's taking them through the wilderness into the promised land. And as he marches forth, as this warrior king, all of his enemies are just melting like wax before him. And he comes into the promised land, and he comes and ascends up Mount Zion with his people following behind him. And the psalm says that as the other mountains who are taller than Mount Zion all around look at Mount Zion, that they are envious of Mount Zion. That would be like the Rockies being envious of the Alleghenies. But they were. They were, and why? Because God was on that mountain. God was on that mountain displaying his great victory. And the psalmist talks about how the Lord will dwell there forever with thousands and thousands, myriads upon myriads of flaming heavenly chariots showing forth his power and his glory. For God had brought captive Israel to their own land. And as that psalm testifies, they were to come into this land and it was to become like heaven on earth. People would learn in that land that there is a God in heaven who cares. He is the God of the widow. He is the God of the orphan. He's a God who loves and he defeats all those who stand against his, his justice and his righteousness and his holiness because he's a God who loves and cares for his people. What a picture of Jesus. Our mighty king came to this earth to a people who were in bondage to their sins under a cruel taskmaster who had them chained by their own 
loss. And he came to this earth to break us free from those iron chains of the devil. And he now, through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, he has ascended to Mount Zion, the heavenly Mount Zion. And we are told that where he is, we are. Ephesians 2.6, we have been raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly places. We are his spoil. We are the ones that he has redeemed and saved by the power of his might. As Spurgeon said, the Lord Jesus Christ destroys his foes with their own weapons. He puts death to death. He entombs the grave, and he leads captivity captive. We who were once captive to the evil one are now captivated by the Holy One. He has won our hearts. He has become ours. We have become his. It's interesting to note that in this quotation from the psalm where it says in Ephesians 4.8, he gave gifts to men, there's a slight word change. Some think that, of course, the critics always want to find that as a a mistake in the Bible. It's no mistake. It's a spirit-inspired change to reflect a deeper truth. In Psalm 68, it says, you have received gifts among men. Ephesians 4.8 says he gave gifts to men because it's just the other side of the same coin. Anything that we have, anything we have has been given to us by Jesus. We see this in our families. We have our little children do some jobs around the house. We give them a little bit of an allowance. Christmas time, they go out to the store, buy mommy and daddy a little gift. They bring it to us. Here, mommy and daddy, here's your gift. Are we doing any more? We take what the Lord has given to us and offer it back to him. It all comes from him. As a result of this great victory, God gave Christ innumerable positions to fill on the earth, innumerable functions for his people to do, innumerable gifts that he's given to his people in order to supply them with what they would need to fulfill those responsibilities. He receives now gifts among men as they service him all around this world where his kingdom exists. They are his. He gives them to us and we return them in praise and thanksgiving back to them. These gifts that he has given are secure. They are as secure as the throne upon which he sits. They come from Jesus himself. The gift is secured, and that's one of the reasons we rejoice. This gift also is sacred. There are too many naming the name of Christ today, walking about in churches today, who in pride think that they are called to some position that does not rightly belong to them. Sometimes men in the church, I'm speaking at large here, are given an eldership, 
because they're successful businessmen, not because they're godly. Women are put in pastorates, and that's already wrong, right from the shoot. Men take to themselves a pastoral role that they were never called to or even ordained into. They just hang their shingle and by their charismatic words gather people around them. Disaster usually follows, as we've learned so often and so frequently in recent years. The reason for that is because we forget the greatest underlying principle of these gifts that God has given to us, found in verses 9 and 10, where we're told that Christ, before he ascended on high, ascended into the lower realms of the earth, how much debate there's been about what this means. Some think that this passage is speaking of Jesus going down into Hades and preaching to the Old Testament saints that had awaited him but hadn't seen him, and so he had to go down there and preach to them so that they could come up to heaven. That's to read your Old Testament wrong. Elijah, he just went straight up. Psalm 23 tells us that we go through the valley of the shadow of death and what's on the other side, we're, we're gonna be in God's house forevermore. And on and on I could go. The Old Testament no way teaches that. Those who died in faith in the Old Testament in the coming Christ went right to him, went right to him. Others teach that this is somehow describing days when Jesus went uh, in the days of Noah and preached to people then and from First Peter, I'm just not even gonna get into that, it's just, not helpful. Clearly, Peter's talking about the same spirit that raised God, raised Christ from the dead, was in Noah as he preached to his generation. Others talk about purgatory here, but none of these are faithful to Scripture, and let alone the just very plain meaning of the text, because what we have here is the great contrast. He has ascended to the right hand of God, the highest place. And all of the created order. And so his descent went to the lowest place he could have possibly gone. What was that? That lowest place of descent was none other than Calvary and the grave that followed. When he went into the depths of his humiliation, when he had the sins of a wretched people placed upon him, the wrath of God poured out upon him, and he suffered in his humiliation. Paul verifies this in Philippians because he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name above all names. Brothers and sisters, Let's never forget before the crown comes the cross, before the glory comes the suffering. That's, that's the gospel order of things. And when we talk about this gift that God gives to his church, it is sacred because it was paid for by the blood of his only begotten son. You see, 
when Christ died on the cross, yes, he did forgive sinners of their sins on the cross, but that accomplished more because by his death and his resurrection, he also gave them gifts. He also said, you are going to be servants in my kingdom, and I am going to place you just where I want in my kingdom. And I am going to give you eternal treasures as a result. What a gift. How sacred it is. How sacred each and every one of the people of God are because they are covered by something of inestimable value, the blood of Jesus. That means then every gift is special. I'm going to talk about Ed in a minute. If you know Ed, there's a lot of Ed jokes that fly around. A lot of them have to do with his name, you know, he renamed our department of admissions, admissions, and that goes on his door and all his communications. I will be talking about special ed here in just a moment. But I want to remind you that God has graced all of his people. Each one of you have been graced each one of you is a gift for the church. And each one of you are to be serving the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, out of gratitude for your salvation. But there is an emphasis here in verses 11 and 12 about the unique office of the shepherd and teacher or pastor and teacher. It's uh, combined together in the Greek, talking about what we know as a minister of the gospel. And we know that Christ makes people ministers. Paul said he was made a minister. Who made him a minister? Christ made him a minister. What about us ordinary ministers? How does Christ make us ordinary ministers a minister? We don't get calls, from Dama calls at the road to Damascus, perhaps. Well, just like Timothy Paul said to Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy 4, you were made a minister of the gospel, became a minister of the gospel by the laying on the hands of the presbytery. And so it is that Christ sets apart men for the ministry and then the church recognizes that and through the leadership of the church, they lay their hands on to set that man apart for the ministry. And as it talks about these pastors and teachers in this text, what they're supposed to do, there's too much debate about all this in these days. Some men take this passage and they want to stress the role of pastors over and against the congregation, claiming that they are preachers. So really the ministry of the church revolves around them. Others take the same passage and try to stress, no, it's the body of Christ and really downplay the importance of the pastorate. And you'll hear, oh, I'm a word and sacrament guy, or I'm a discipleship guy. And they're going back and forth, and I'm saying, why does it have to be either or? It's both and, brothers. Pastors are a special gift to the church so that the people of God can use their special gifts for the church. 
It's that simple. Don't make it complicated. Pastors are to come alongside their people and equip them. Many of you have probably heard Ken Smith as he talks about this equipping ministry. Remind us, this word is used of the disciples when Jesus called them. They were there on the shore by the lake mending their nets or equipping their nets, the same word. They were taking nets that weren't able to catch the fish that they should be catching and they were sewing them together so that they could catch the fish. And that's the church. The pastor, he knows his people. He knows when there's a brother or sister who needs some more doctrinal training. He knows there's a person who needs some strength, so he prays for them. He knows there's a brother or sister who is down who needs encouragement, and he visits, and he helps, and he works alongside them so that together that net that is the church can bring in more fish for the kingdom of God, that the church can be healthy, that the church can be growing, so that all of us can overcome the hurts in our souls, the holes in our armor, the false beliefs that we may have, and learn better how to serve Christ as those who are Christ one, Christ appointed to serve Beautiful, beautiful picture of the people of God. So brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm here tonight to tell you, I know this guy pretty well. I'm here to tell you the Lord has given you a secured, sacred, and special gift. It is an evening to rejoice. And as I say that, I want you to notice that tonight... There'll be two other men coming up and preaching for a little while, and they're not just preaching to Ed. One charge will go to Ed, but the other charge will go to the people of God, because that's the way it's supposed to be. Amen? Let's respond in song by singing from that psalm, Psalm 68, Selection F, as it speaks of the glory of Christ's kingdom across the face of the earth. Please stand as we sing.
At this time, I want to invite forward Reverend Ed Blackwood and all of the elders of the RPCNA. Come on up. Others, please gather around Ed, and if you can, get a hand on him or one close to him. Let's go to God together in prayer. Lord God in heaven, we turn our attention again to you. We thank you for giving us the gift of your word read and preached to us. We thank you for fixing the eyes of faith tonight upon the great unseen realities that are revealed to us only by your word. As we continue to look to you, we lift our eyes to you enthroned on high. And we look to you right now with expectation and with anticipation as we seek your blessing upon our dear brother Ed and upon his wife Nancy and upon the whole Springs Reformed Church. Lord Jesus, we ask for your rich and abundant blessing upon this man. We pray for our brother and your servant, asking that you would give him wisdom and strength and grace We pray that you would bless him each and every day, throughout the day, with that close and abiding relationship with you through the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit, that you would be his fountain and his peace. He might daily experience that rich communion that comes by way of your word and your spirit. He would daily renew his soul with the springs of your living water. You exalt your name through the ministry of this man. So now in the name and by the authority of Jesus Christ, who alone is king and head of the church, we install Reverend Edwin Allen Henry Blackwood as teaching elder of the Springs Reformed Church. We do so praying, Lord God, that you would bless this now formal relationship to the glory of your name. Will you please put your mighty power on display faithful ministry of this man. We pray all this now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. Brothers, please extend the right hand of fellowship. you're observing all of these wonderful greetings, please locate Psalm 25 in your program tonight.
And that's only a small portion of the kind of support and daily prayers you are going to have from your brothers in our presbytery. Well, as you look there in your program to Psalm 25, let's stand to give praise to God. Psalm 25a, what a fitting psalm as we seek now the blessing of God. To you I lift my soul. Let's sing praise to God. I've had the privilege to have, you might say, an inside view, and it's just been very exciting to see what God has been doing and accomplishing in the Springs Reformed Church. Great, wonderful group of people. And then I've had the pleasure over the last few months to get to know Ed a lot better, and just to hear his testimony of what God has been doing in his and Nancy's life. And it is just exciting and a thrill to see God at work in bringing you together. And while a lot of this evening is focused on you, Ed, Nancy, we're really glad you're here. <laughs> Love you already. 
and uh, so you're a delight. I have the pleasure, in a lot of our discussions, there's always a lot of laughter, Ed. Here's the serious part. He's told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. The first thing there to do justice, when we think of that, there's certain things that come to my mind that are required for somebody to actually able to do justice well. First, they need knowledge. But more than just knowledge, they need understanding. And so I would submit to you that it's implied there very much that you must be a man of the word. For there is no other place in which you will be able to execute this obligation to do justice without knowledge and understanding of the word. But see, I would also say there's another factor there. We have knowledge, we talk about understanding, but to do justice requires wisdom. Wisdom comes from above. Wisdom requires prayer. Justice is, is more than just being right. It's more than just having good ideas and telling people, this is what I think we ought to do. To do justice scripturally, you must be a man of the word and of prayer. I charge you, Ed, to be a man of the word and a man of prayer. To love kindness or to love mercy. It's more than opening doors for people. It's more than that smile, which is infectious and great. but it's telling us to have a steadfast heart of compassion. So it, it is not only just kindness and compassion, but also a hope because you are dealing with people that are souls that Christ has put into your care and your heart is to ache and yearn for them to grow and know him better. That is what it is that we ache for our people. We love them with great mercy and kindness. That is an obligation to do justice and love mercy, which at times these things might seem antithetical, but they're not. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus Christ came full of grace and truth. Nobody came and taught 
from the word, knew, knew the word uh, better than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And no one had more compassion on the people that he came into contact with so genuinely and authentically as Jesus Christ. Which brings to the third part of this verse. The first two are, you might say, obligations to the congregation to do justice with them and to love mercy for them. But the third is to walk humbly with your God. And it's kind of a catch-22 because if we don't walk humbly with our God, God will surely humble us. But to walk humbly and to walk is, is such a picture and such a metaphor that's given throughout scriptures that implies an intimate relationship. Enoch walked with God. To walk with God is this sense that you're joined at the hip, that you're just in step with him. To walk humbly with your God. That's your obligation to him. And so we bring these things together. Oh man, what does the Lord require of you? I charge you to do justice, to love mercy. That is your obligation to the congregation. And your obligation to God, I charge you, to walk humbly with him. We were here not too long ago to solemnize a covenant. In many ways, that's what we're doing tonight. So you have been charged, and now you, the congregation, you are a diverse congregation. Maybe not as the world measures diversity, perhaps, but you are of different ages, different generations, men and women. You have differing economic backgrounds, educational attainments, you have varied backgrounds and different needs. You have various strengths and weaknesses and different experiences. And perhaps some of you know the stories of one another. You know where those strengths are. You know where the weaknesses are. And you want it to be so. Congregations are like a potluck supper or a fellowship lunch. Nobody wants a table really of all the same food. We like buffets. We like variety. But there is something and someone that unites you, and that is Jesus Christ. You share a common understanding of his person and work. You share a common experience of new birth through his spirit. And you share a common commitment to him through baptism and regular communion.
And you have, as a corporate body, a unique identity as a congregation of the Reformed Presbyterian Church of North America. Now, I've been told that you are Reformed, with a capital R. And the P might be silent. I noted you're not the Reformed Presbyterian Church. You're Springs Reformed Church. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means to be Presbyterian. And I'm warning you, because you've called a true Reformed and Presbyterian minister, whether you know it or not, and it may be too late. The foundation for this comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is what the word says to us, but particularly to you. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. It's possible that some of you didn't vote for Ed. It's possible that some of you didn't sign his call. But you, as a congregation, have done so. You have called Ed to be your pastor. And your individual preferences are just that, and now no longer matter. You, as a congregation, have called Ed, and you, as a congregation, are duty-bound to support him. The scripture says to respect Ed. You may disagree with him at points. You may groan at his puns. You may question his emphasis or particular application of scripture. That's okay, but you're to respect him. Know that he has your best interests at heart. That's one of the reasons why he accepted your call. He saw your need, and he felt compassion. So he left RPTS, and he left Covenant Fellowship. I don't know what that means when you invite the jilted lovers, as it were. <laughs> Ed is a compassionate man. He's a compassionate pastor. Always give him the benefit of the doubt. Impute good motives to what he says and does. Listen to him. 
He's called to instruct you and to exhort you and encourage you in the Christian life. And that might not always be pleasant. At some point, he's going to move from preaching to meddling. And it's going to require change. But remember, he has your best interests at heart. It's like your car mechanic or your doctor. Ed is your soul surgeon, so respect him. You're to esteem him, to think highly of him. Please respect him and speak respectfully of him to others, especially those outside the church. If you've got a problem with him, go to him directly. He will listen. And I know that from personal experience. He'll listen. He will work hard on your behalf in the ministry of the word and prayer. Remember that he's on call almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Almost. Remember Nancy. Pay him well. I'm in the presbytery of the Alleghenies. I didn't see his call, but I just encourage you, pay him well. From time to time, give him a word of encouragement. Take him and Nancy to dinner. Invite them into your home. If you keep him stocked with vanilla Coke Zero, he'll be your friend for life. But if you truly want to bless him, you'll do what the rest of this passage says. That's just the first verse. Respect those who are over you and labor among you. Esteem them. But there are other things you're to do. Be at peace among yourselves. The best way to help Ed is to deal with issues quickly, quietly, honestly. Bear with one another. You don't all agree. And even right now, there may be divisions and some fault lines in your congregation. Choose to get along in the Lord. The evil one loves to divide. Don't let him. Don't let him. As the Lord has forgiven you, forgive one another. It's to your credit to overlook slights, not to take offense. And should there be real issues that arise, deal with them properly without gossip and backbiting or malice. Ed's there to help. If you don't know how to talk to somebody, if you don't know how this might go, go to Ed. He can help. He's been in the midst of conflict. He knows how to mediate. Call on him. And he may be your pastor who's tasked with exhortation, but you also are to exhort one another. Do so as he does with gentleness and not with arrogance. And particularly here for the Thessalonians, if you're idle, get to work. However that applies to you. Don't waste your time because you have a city to reach for the sake of Jesus. Ed will help you learn how to present the gospel 
if you need help. When he calls and says, hey, let's go meet our neighbors, go with him. That'll encourage his heart. You have good works to perform, a kingdom to pursue. And as already been mentioned, if you're in Christ, you have been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Use it. And if you don't know what it is, Ed can help you. Ask him. You're to encourage one another, especially those who may feel discouraged for whatever reason. Don't leave that to Ed. Don't leave that to the elders. You miss someone from worship? Instead of asking Ed, hey, I didn't see so-and-so, call that person. Call up that person and say, I missed you from worship. Are you okay? Support the weak, those who are physically weak, spiritually weak. Be patient. Show forbearance towards one another, especially on those minor matters. At every turn, seek to do good. Don't retaliate. How would you like to be treated if you were the other? You who are members of the Springs Church have taken a vow. I'll remind you of it. Do you recognize your responsibility to work with others in the church? And do you promise to support and encourage them in their service to the Lord? Purposefully keep your commitment. Here's one of your newest members and her husband. But Ed said there was somebody else who joined when you did. I don't know who that person is. Do you even know them? Get to know these newest members that you might encourage them in their service to the Lord. Rejoice always. Make it a habit to find the good. It's easy to find fault. But choose to rejoice. That's a matter of the will. Something we choose to do. So choose to do it. Choose to rejoice. You'll be happier. So will Ed. Pray ceaselessly. Pray for Ed. Pray with Ed. Little will encourage him more than to know you're praying for him. Show up at prayer meeting. I've been told that you have a number of them. Go. You don't have to go to all of them, but go to at least one of them on a regular basis. And Paul says to give thanks in every circumstance. Cultivate an attitude of thankfulness. There is always something for which you can give thanks. Don't fall into grumbling. Again, that's, that's too easy. We live in a fallen world. Colorado Springs, your neighborhood, your family, your church are not all they should be. You bear the scars of life lived among the ruins. But knowing that Jesus has come to redeem, to heal, to restore, 
And knowing that he is coming again to bring all to completion in the new heavens and the new earth gives you hope and reasons to be thankful. Express it. Develop an ear for the Spirit's speaking, for his leading. Don't simply dismiss a new idea out of hand. Perhaps the Spirit is directing you all into some new ministry. What does Colorado Springs need in 2024, 2025? What do the neighborhoods and the families and the households immediately around your new church building need from you? How can you serve them? Ed may suggest some new things. He's a visionary, like I am. Some of the ideas might actually be good. I have lots of ideas. Most of them, just that's never going to work. That's crazy. But sometimes the Spirit directs and you say, that'll work. This is what's needed. So listen. Evaluate. Don't simply criticize. Be open and test things by the word of God. And finally, hold fast to the good. Abstain from what's evil. This will keep you as a congregation grounded, orthodox, and relevant. Don't embrace every new idea that comes down the road. There are many false teachers about in the world, but Ed is not one of them. He will never intentionally steer you wrong. He will never intentionally teach you heresy. So make it your ambition to follow Ed as he follows Christ. He is the Lord's gift to you. Treat him as such. Love him as you love yourself. Well, please locate in your program tonight Psalm 133. Again, an appropriate psalm for us to sing in light of the charge that you have just received. Uh, Let's sing about that unity that we have together in Christ. Let's stand and sing Psalm 133a.
As we close our service of worship, I urge you as the people of God to receive the blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus Christ now and forever. Amen. That does conclude the end of our worship service, but we just have a couple of matters of business to take care of before we adjourn our meeting of the Midwest Presbytery. Uh, At this time, I'm going to entertain a motion that the Midwest Presbytery reimburse the travel expenses for Reverend Barry York and Reverend Pete Smith. Is there a second? All in favor, please say aye. Any opposed, say no. It carries. And now we come to the reading of the minutes. So, uh, Joe, if you would, please read the minutes for us. The one, the one thing, just ask to pay attention. If there's any name in here and anybody knows that this person uh, was not here tonight, just let me know so I can correct that. On December 8, 2023, this meeting of the Midwest Presbytery in conjunction with a service of worship was called to order by the moderator, Joseph Friedley, at 7 p.m. in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The moderator then constituted the court in prayer in the name and by the authority of Jesus Christ, Zion's only king and head. Reverend Joe Smith served as clerk for this meeting. The moderator explained the nature of this gathering And then upon this solemn occasion, those present were the members of the Springs Reformed Presbyterian Church, Edwin Allen Henry Blackwood, his wife Nancy, their extended family, and other members of the RPCNA. Further, the clerk noted those members of the commission present, H.P. McCracken, Tom Seaman, Joseph Friedley, Keith Mann, Tom Pinson, Derek Moore, Stan Copeland, Alan Blackwood, Chad Campsey, Clyde Brown, Robert Kelby, Ed Blackwood, Bob Hemphill, Jerry Milroy, Kelly Moore, Bob Lyon, Brad Johnston, Stephen Mulder, Jonathan Leach, Sam McCracken, Brandon Kane, Jeremiah Hamer, Gary McNamee, Jonathan Fitch, Joe Smith, Craig Fife, Mike McDaniel, John Logan, Craig Milroy, and Greg Mann. It was moved, seconded, and carried that all RPCNA elders present be made consultative members of the court, and it was noted that a quorum was attained. The assembly and court having been gathered for worship, a passage of scripture was read from Ephesians 4, 7 through 10 by Reverend Joseph Friedley to direct us to worship the triune God. The assembly was then led in the singing of Psalm 67C by presenter Alan Blackwood. Then the previous steps leading up to this installation were narrated by Mr. Keith Mann, ruling elder of Springs Reformed Church. Following this, Mr. Tom Penson, ruling elder of Springs Reformed Church, read the installation edict one final time. The moderator then asked members of the Springs Reformed Church to indicate their adherence to the pastoral call by a standing affirmation. They did so. The moderator also asked Reverend Ed Blackwood to indicate his own adherence to the call 
And Reverend Blackwood then stood and answered in the affirmative. Reverend Blackwood then answered in the affirmative, in the affirmative, all of the prescribed queries for installation as asked by Reverend Alan Blackwood. Having given assent to all of the queries, Reverend Blackwood signed the queries in the Presbytery's minute book. The sermon was preached by Reverend Dr. Barry York from Ephesians 4, 7 through 16 on the theme, The Victor's Gifts. The assembly then sang Psalm 68, Selection F. Reverend Blackwood came to the front and all Midwest Presbytery elders present and those elders recognized by the court gathered around him. The prayer for installation was offered by Reverend Joseph Friedley. The elders of Midwest Presbytery and consultative members then extended to Reverend Blackwood the right hand of fellowship. The assembly sang Psalm 25, Selection A. Reverend Kelly Moore then gave a charge to the newly installed pastor from Micah 6, verse 8. And then a charge was given to the congregation of Springs Reformed Church by Pete Smith from 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 22. The assembly then sang Psalm 133, Selection A. And the newly installed pastor, Reverend Ed Blackwood, pronounced the benediction from Numbers 24, 6. Verse 6, 24 through 26. It was then moved, seconded, and carried that Midwest Presbytery reimburse the travel expenses of Reverends Barry York and Pete Smith. The minutes were then read and approved by common consent. Does anybody note any needed edits to those minutes? I don't believe so. I didn't see him. Joe, will you make that note? Anything else? Yes. Sure, we can do that. Yep, we will, we will definitely do that. Yep, we will keep it clear. Yes. Anything else? Yes. Okay, thank you. Very good. Joe, did you catch that? Very good. Then having these edits, we will approve the minutes by common consent. At this time, I will entertain a motion to adjourn this meeting. It's been moved. Is there a second? It's been moved and seconded. All in favor, please say aye. Let's stand together now to adjourn in prayer. Please pray with me. Gracious God in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for the blessing that you have given to, to us all in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the care that uh, we experience, his care that we experience tonight for the Springs Reformed Church. Lord, we pray for Ed and Nancy. We again pray that you would strengthen them and keep them that you would bless them richly with your grace and with your presence to sustain them here in Colorado Springs. Please bless Ed in his work. Lord, make him faithful, uh, daily depending upon you. Lord, we pray for this spring session. We ask that you would bless these men as they support and help Ed in his work. Lord, we pray for the congregation. We ask that you would bless them that you would use them mightily in this community. Lord, we ask that you would put your power on display through the entire congregation, that you might use them, that your kingdom may advance here in Colorado Springs. Lord, we pray that you would bless and keep us. 
As we come to the close of our worship service and our meeting tonight, we pray that you would give safety in travel, and we pray that you would bless us, Lord, that as we return home tonight, that we would do so rejoicing that you have made us witnesses of your work in this world once again. And so we now adjourn ourselves as a court of your house in the name and by the authority of Jesus Christ, who alone is King and Head of the Church. Amen. Please join us for refreshments. Let's have a rich time of fellowship as we continue to give thanks to God. The refreshments are downstairs in the gym.